You know, the whole point of this series that we've been in and teach us to pray is going into deeper waters with Jesus Christ. I want to go deeper with God, don't you? I want to be in a place where I'm in such a rich relationship with Him that it's, it's far beyond than just kind of going through the motions of going to church or going through the motions of, of you know, what it means to be a Christian. I want to go deep with God. And that's what this series has been about. It's, it's, it's about a relationship that we've carried on. I've, I'm kind of sad that the series is coming to a close today, you know, but I'm excited about the next series. But, you know, it's been a great series for me personally, and I hope it's been that way for you because I believe that, that God has taken me into some places that are deeper with Him. Just places where I've, I've recognized and have been reminded to practice that presence of God with me everywhere that I go. I hope that you've gotten that too. That I can talk to Him anywhere, at any time, any place, about anything, right? Amen. I mean, that is the wonderful thing about this relationship with Jesus. So as we conclude this series today, I want to I talk about one of the benefits that we get as we practice this presence of God. If you have your Bibles, you can look in your Bibles with me in Luke chapter 10, or you can follow along up on the screen. But in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, here's what the scripture says. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. That's a really good thing to do to welcome Jesus into your home. Amen, right? Okay. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was, what does the word say, church? Distracted. She was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister... She just sits here while I do all the work. Lord, tell her to come and help me. That always makes me chuckle when I read that a little bit. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are, what does it say? Worried. You're worried. And what? Upset. Over all these details, there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Now I'm going to be honest with you. For much of my life, I have identified with Martha. Anybody else out there? Busy, distracted. I'm just being honest. Annoyed with people. (laughs) You know, you kind of get annoyed Martha just might have been a control freak. When you look at it, do you see that control? In fact, she's not only trying to control Mary, if you really read it, she's saying, and Jesus, you need to do something about it. She's trying to control Jesus. Am I relating to the right people out here today, okay? I have often related so much to Martha, you know, Here's what I want you to take note of. There are two people here that are, now listen, are both followers of Jesus Christ. They're both followers. You have one that is very worried and upset and anxious filled and busy and distracted and annoyed. And then you have one that seems to be at peace in the presence of God. I mean, think about that. Think about 
about this. Martha's intent was noble. She was serving the Lord, right? She's serving the Lord, but her heart, there was something that was was off in her heart in this. She's seeking to control. She's going all Martha Stewart on Jesus, right? At this point, trying to make everything just right, okay? Everything's got to be just right. And I, I find it fascinating that it says this. Jesus says this about Mary, but Mary has discovered something. I want you to think about this. Have you discovered that? Have you discovered? What is it that she discovered? She discovered this. She discovered that that the presence of Jesus Christ was not to be missed. And that by being in his presence, that it changes everything. And and, and, And here's a key thought for you, okay? We're giving you an intro to the message. It's a message to the message, all right? Here's what it is. Disciples who want to experience the peace of God rather than anxiety must learn, and I'll even say this because it must be intentional, must learn and discover this. They must learn and choose to practice the presence of Christ. If you want to have peace in your life, then you're going to have to learn and discover what this is. Now, I know what our inclination is. Man, I've got my life to live. We are busy, Barn. I've got so many things to do. I'm, I'm busy. I've, I've got to make a living. I've got to go to work. I've got to get the kids here and there and all of this. And I, and I understand that. Our lives are so much like that as well. And we're very busy. But here's the beautiful thing we've been learning in this Teach Us to Pray series. Is that wherever you go, whatever you're doing, in, in every single place you go, because you are the temple of Christ, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Everywhere you go, God goes with you. Amen. And you practice the presence of Christ. And it's just being aware that he's with you. It's being aware that he's in relationship with you and that you can talk with him about every single thing in your life. You know, honest assessment time. As we're getting ready to continue to worship, I want you to just to begin thinking, have I discovered what that means in my life? to discover the presence of God? Have I discovered that like, like Mary? You see, you can have the hands of Martha and be active and busy and all this. You can have the hands of Martha and have the heart of Mary, right? Amen. You can have that. Like Jesus has made that possible. What would people say about you? Do you would they say... That person's a whole lot more. You're a lot like Martha. You're, you're kind of controlling. You're, you're annoyed. You're anxious. Or do people see in you a peace in your life? Do they see it? We're going to talk more about that here in just a moment. Let's just, let's just ask God to teach us more about that today. Will you join me in prayer? Father, as we draw near to you right now, you have promised us that you come close to us. May we learn to live with eyes open to your presence. This whole series has been not just about mechanics of prayer. Lord, you want want and have wanted us to discover your presence with us, that we can talk to you about everything. And that when we begin to talk to you about everything, Lord, that, that anxiety that can override our lives, Lord, it begins to dissipate as our focus is upon you in our life. So, Lord, would you show us more today? Show us more about your peace in our lives. 
teach us more about what it means to practice your presence, whether we're at work, whether we're on the freeways driving, whether we're at school, in our homes, with our families, talking to our neighbors. We just want to be aware that you're with us and that we're in deep fellowship with you. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. I want to invite you just to stand back up and let's just continue just to worship the Lord as we draw near to Him. What a song, amen? Wow. I mean, just just think about the words of that. Whatever my lot, you have taught me to say. Do you see? It's a discovery. It's discovering that. Whatever my lot, you've taught me this. I want to be taught that by Jesus. I want to, I want to understand. That's a song about peace. It's a song about peace in our lives, and it's incredible. Did you know that because of Jesus Christ, because of Jesus and what he has done on the cross and the relationship that we can have with him, do you know this, that you and I, we actually can win the war on worry? Because of Jesus, we, it can be won in your life. The anxiety that you often struggle with and the worry that you have that maybe it kind of overrides your life in so many different ways. It's actually something that can be won in your life. And sadly, if we're honest, many of us are a lot like Martha more so than we are Mary. We're busy, we're distracted, we're annoyed, we're bustling about trying to make things happening. We're trying to control every single circumstance and situation in our lives. And the reality is this, is that because of Jesus, you know, we have this opportunity to be in a relationship with him and he's going to give us something that we can't produce in and of ourselves. It's called peace. You can't, you can't manufacture that for yourself. God is the one that, that, that delivers that as you are a branch that is connected divinely to this vine. He produces that for you as a branch and that comes out in the form of fruit in your life. And, you know, sadly though, many believers, if, if we're honest, this is something that many of us, we, we just might catch a glimpse of this every now and then. But if we're honest, many of us don't know how to live in that state of peace. We don't know how to live with this, with this constant inner peace that God makes uh, possible for us, whatever my lot may be, you know, where I can live with a sense of saying it is well with my soul, whether it's a bad day today in my circumstances or whether it's a great day, there's a, there's a stability in my life. And you know, the apostle Paul talks in the book of Philippians, turn there with me to chapter four. He talks about a prescription for anxiety. He talks about this this prescription that he gives us a cure for anxiety that many of us struggle with. And he's going to start off by saying this. It's God's will that you be spiritually consistent. It's God's will that you be spiritually stable. And and so he's going to begin to talk about how that looks and plays out in our lives. And in Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to just read the first part of verse 1, and this is in the ESV. Paul says this to to these, these brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, stand firm thus in the Lord. Okay, so he's saying stand firm in your faith in the Lord like this. Or in other words, you be spiritually consistent. You're not, you're not dominated by your circumstances in your life. Your circumstances are there. We're not, we're not pretending that your problems aren't real, but you're not dominated by them. 
You, you are an overcomer because you are in the Lord. And Paul, who was imprisoned for the gospel, he's chained to a Roman guard, continues on as you skip down to verse 4. And, and this is in the NLT. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. That sounds very much like what he wrote to the church at Thessalonica we looked at a few weeks ago, where he talked about rejoicing in the Lord always. And he talks about being joyful in this sense and being thankful. And he says, I say it again, rejoice. Remember his context. We've studied him before, and we've studied the book of Philippians last year about this time, where he's imprisoned. He's, he's awaiting his uh, possible execution. He's going through a difficult time and he's encouraging these believers to follow his example of an inner peace that God has given him. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Be full of the joy of the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see. So here's something that's interesting is that people notice. They notice something different about you whenever you are living in the Lord in this kind of way as a believer. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. And we'll come back and unpack this in a minute. Remember, that's a key word. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Amen. Don't worry about anything. Instead, say it with me, church. What does he say to do? Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then... You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace, not yours, His peace will guard your heart and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That is a key phrase. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. He's bringing it all to a culmination of of what He's calling us to do here. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. Camp out there for a minute. Think about that. On what is true and honorable and right. It's a mindset, right? It's a choice that we make. And and pure and lovely and admirable. Think. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep, in other words, continue this on. Keep putting into practice. Don't let this stop when you walk out the door. Don't let this stop because the series is over. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw from saw me not only just talking to you about it, but you saw me doing these things. He has credibility, right? And then read the next part with me out loud. What does he say? Then... The God of peace will what? Be with you as you do these things, as you put these things into practice. So what is anxiety? What is anxiety? What does that look like in your life and in my life? And if you're writing notes, I I urge you to write this down. Here's your second key thought for the day is that anxiety is a perceived loss of control. Anxiety is this perceived loss that that you're out of control of whatever it is that's happening in your life. And for me, it's kind of a low-grade kind of fear. It's not this big, huge fear. It's a restlessness in my heart, okay? There have been times I've told Hope, I feel anxious right now. I can't even quite put my, my thumb on it. I don't quite know why I feel this way. It's not one big, giant storm as life is filled with lots of storms, right? For me, it's the storm that's looming, 
It's the, it's the thing that I know is most likely going to be happening or, or, or it, you know, because we know how life is, is it's one thing right after another. What's going to break next around the house? What's going to happen next in this situation? Am I talking to the right people? Are you know what I'm talking about? It's like, what's next? It's the suspicion of what's going on, looming things. I might, I might start dwelling on a conversation that maybe I need to have with somebody that might not go well. And man, I can get consumed in that. And before you know it, I'm all wound up and I'm anxious. I feel really anxious. I can even be rehearsing that conversation to myself. My neighbors probably think I'm crazy because that's when I do it is when I'm doing yard work. And I'm rolling my neck. I'm about to think I'm what I'm going to say here and this and that. And, you know, and, and, and before you know it, you're all, you're all kind of bound up. And it's, it's not even something that you're for sure is going to happen. You know, no, it's going to happen. It's kind of that looming thing, that suspicion of, of what if. What if this goes like this? right? I can't ever really relax. I can't ever really let my guard down. Isn't it, isn't it terrible that we can kind of live that way? I can't ever really, you know, feel like, like everything's going to be okay. And, and you know, because as soon as I do, then it is going to happen, whatever the it may be. So you kind of live with that low-grade kind of anxiety. This summer, our family, we went to Colorado, and we love to go up there and, and, and spend our time on vacation up there, and we disconnect, we get away, we get out in the, we get out in the wilderness, and uh, I love to hike. I love going hiking, and, and I, love, I love challenging hikes, okay? And one other thing that I like to do is I like to watch shows about wild animals, and if I'm honest, I'm most often drawn to the shows where people are attacked by vicious animals, okay? Does anybody else watch those shows, okay? Bear attacks, shark attacks, or whatever. I mean, on Shark Week, I'm like, is anybody getting eaten here? No, I'm out. You know, or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, we're sick, aren't we? We're sick, okay? But I love to hike, and I love to watch those shows. This is not a good combination, okay, for your mindset, and so, and so we go, uh, you know, up uh, to the area around the, the Sangre de Cristo mountain range. And, and on one late afternoon, I decide I'm going to go for a hike. And there's, there's a lot of weather that's out and, and storms are kind of blowing in and out. It kind of does that there in that part of Colorado every day. And, uh, and so I'm like, does anybody want to go hiking with me? And they're like, no, we're out. They probably don't want to because they've seen the shows with me. Okay, go ahead. Enjoy yourself. And so I went out all by myself, storm kind of off in the distance. It's getting darker. And I'm telling you, man, I'm on the, I'm on the rainbow trail. It's a canopy trail. It's dark. It's turning and twisting and you can't see what's around the corner. And I'm, I'm, I'm having a good time, but then my mind starts messing with me. I look over and I see a tree and it's got scratch marks all up and down the tree. I'm like, I know what that is. I watch shows on people getting messed up by things that scratch trees. Okay. And I'm like, so I'm walking and I'm like, Okay, so maybe I'll, all right, maybe I'll just walk a little faster through here or whatever. Again, it's getting darker at this point, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm by myself. And, and here's the thing. If I encountered something like a mountain lion, yes, that would be bad, okay? Or if I encountered a bear, that would be bad. But for me, it's the thought and the suspicion of the possible mountain lion or bear that is out there. That's probably hunting me right now because, after all, I am quite tasty, I imagine, okay? (laughs) And so as I was on the hike that late afternoon, I had this looming anxiety. I was in this 
this place of just, it's serene and peaceful and all this, but yet my mind started drifting towards the what if. What if this were to happen to me? What if, what if something happens? What if, what if I get lost out here? Because, you know, you see those shows where people do that. And I started having these anxious thoughts until I remembered God's presence with me. And I was like, yeah, Jesus is with me right now. He's with me. And I started talking to Jesus and I started thinking about his sovereignty and that he's the one that orders my steps and he's the one that has control of my life. And I'm saying me and Jesus walking through the woods, you know, and I'm talking to myself and having a conversation and I'm getting closer and closer. And I finally see the cabin where we're staying. And I'm like, come on, Jesus, a little faster. Let's go. We got to get back. But here's the deal. The anxiety for me is like that. It's that low grade kind of suspicion of what if what if it certainly is not peaceful you know and 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 when we're battling with this we're often losing sleep when we're battling with this we typically don't smile much sometimes it's a it's a it, it can be a difficulty even in our relationships especially maybe when one's not battling it or doesn't really quite understand it in the way that maybe you go through that at certain times in your life you know, with all the things that are going on in our world, the economy shaky and the threat of terrorism being imminent, things happening in our schools, shootings and, and you know, government seems to be going haywire. I mean, it's just this chaos all out there and the world around us seems out of control. And it's a little, it's a life that's, that's a little dominated by this, what if? What if we don't get the job? What if, what if someone gets sick? What if we don't make enough money? What if, what if our kids need braces and then we can't get them braces because we didn't get the job? And then what if we have kids with crooked teeth, you know? And kids with crooked teeth, they can't get boyfriends and girlfriends and get married one day. What if our kids are holding up signs later saying, my parents never got me braces and my teeth are crooked, you know? What if this happens? It's kind of like a cross of, of Chicken Little, the sky is falling, and Eeyore, and it's disproportionately falling on me. That's kind of what it, it's been like at certain points in my life, and these are just some of the feelings that come with anxiety. One guy described it this way. He said it's like this. It's a free-floating, often ill-defined sense of dread of things that might happen sometime in the future Fear, by contrast, is you see the threat and you are afraid. You know the threat. But, but here's what anxiety is like. It's more vague. You can't quite put your, your finger on it all the time. And you live with a sense of it. It kind of runs you. It's an overwhelming lack of peace. It affects you not only just you know, emotionally, but it begins literally, you kind of walk with a heaviness about you. Scripture speaks of it in Proverbs 12. He says this, the, 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 the one who wrote this proverb said, worry it what weighs a person down. There's a heaviness about yourself. There's a lack of peace. And chances are you or someone in your family really struggles with this in a serious kind of way. It's an, I mean, the, the, uh, the um, National Institute of Mental Health is telling us that anxiety disorders are reaching epidemic proportions in, in America today. Americans are, based on study and research, are the most worried and anxious people on our planet. We are the most anxious folks on our planet. Stress-related ailments cost our 
cost our country $300 billion each year in medical expenses and lost productivity. Our generation, this living generation, we are six times more likely to get depressed and struggle with, with, with panic attacks and, and, and anxiety disorders than, than generations that live just two times before us, two generations removed from us. We are six times more likely to have this in our life. I mean, why? Our cars are safer, right? We have, we have better protection in our cars. Our kids are strapped in. Our water seems to be better. It's better regulated. There's an overabundance of food. Medical technology is incredible. Our kids have more toys than they've ever had in their life. There are more opportunities, right? Compared to the rest of the world, we're rich, right? We have everything just about you could possibly think of. And yet, curiously, many who live in less developed nations have higher levels of satisfaction in their lives and only, uh, and, and only experience, according to one researcher, one-fifth the level of stress and anxiety that we as Americans live with daily. That's interesting to me. It's really interesting to think about, not to mention all the regular problems that just go along with life, right? People get sick. We have jobs that we're maintaining. Relationships go south. Those kinds of things, just part of life. And I could go on and on and on about anxiety, but I don't want to worry you too much, okay? (laughs) I mean, you just think about all these different things. My point is this, okay? And, And I mean, just think of how rapid... Uh, things ch- are changing in our world. Sociologists have said this, that our world has changed more in the last 30 years than in the last 300 years. With the way that you receive information now, I mean, it used to be an earthquake would happen in some place like Nepal and you may not find out for a week or two or something, you know what I mean? Now we get alerts on our phones. We know what's happening all over the, fa- all over the place. And you know what? Frankly, I think for a lot of us, our brains can't process all of the information that we are barraged with all the time. So what is my point in bringing all this up? My point is this, is we didn't do a series about prayer just to teach you the mechanics of prayer so you know how to go through the motions of prayer. My point is this, is that we, as the people of God, had better know how to connect with our God because our world around us and we need this more right now than we ever have. We have to know how to connect with God. We have to recognize how important this is, you know. I know how much hurt and worry and anxiety is in our church. I I read the weekly prayer reports. I understand, and I'm not talking about our problems going away, but I'm talking about our mindset about our problems and God beginning to shift us in the way that we think about things and us not being overwhelmed by anxiety, and living with that weighed down kind of experience. You say, you know, why is this so important? It's so important because people who are all around us need to see that, that the relationship that we have with Christ, it actually makes a difference. But for many of us, if we're honest, we don't respond much differently than many of our friends around us and family members that don't know the peace of Jesus Christ yet, many of us, we don't respond any differently to certain things that happen in our lives than many of them that don't know Christ. And what I'm trying to say is God wants that to change. The people around you, 
that God has put in your life, they need that from you. They need that from me, from us. For us to show them that it's real. They need us to be able to to be a calming presence in their lives because we know that the world is chaotic. God has put this opportunity as branches to be connected to a vine that bears things in our life that we can't produce. The vine produces it. But you got to be connected. The vine is what provides the nourishment and makes it possible for you to bear peace and joy in these things that Paul is speaking of. So you become the calming presence in our society. That's why we are supposed to be salt and light. That's what that means. You're different. I'm different. We're not like everyone else when the chaos abounds and the storm rages. We actually can be like Jesus when the storm's raging and Jesus is like, peace. Be still. Do you notice how often when Jesus would come on the scene with people, one of the first things he often uttered to people was peace. I bring you peace. When he showed up in the, in the, uh, where the disciples were in the upper room after his resurrection and they were terrified, what were the first things he said when he came in? Peace be with you. Peace. He wants us to experience peace. This is what Jesus was to people. He was peaceful. He was that calm in the midst of the storm. We are to be little Christ as Christians. We're to be that oasis in the, in the wilderness and in the desert that people are living in. We're the ones that, that by our lifestyles are pointing people to Jesus because they see something that they are thirsty for in their life and the, the living water is coming out of us because we are residing in him. So Paul gives imperatives. He gives some commands. Let's just unpack this quickly, okay? In, in, starting in verse 4, he says this, Always be full of the joy of the Lord. Not just a joy you manufacture. We've broken that down before. This isn't a fake plastic smile. This isn't just you're faking your way through it. There's something going on in you because you're connected with the vine that he's producing joy in your life that is not contingent upon your circumstances. It's not contingent upon what's going on around you. That, that you know, hap- happiness, remember we've dis- discussed that and happenstance and circumstance and this here, this joy is constant. It's, it's something that's there for you as a part of the fruit of the Spirit. This is whenever we, instead of fixing our eyes and our mindset on our problems, we make the choice to fix our gaze or our, our mindset upon Jesus Christ and His presence in our lives. We're not saying problems aren't there, but we're going we're gonna to fix our thoughts on Jesus and glance at our problems. And when we do that, the problems kind of come in and we get perspective about our problems, right? We realize that our God is much greater and bigger than our problems. The problems are there, but God is greater. So he says, always be full of joy in the Lord. Again, it's an imperative, which means it's a command. I say it again, rejoice. Remember where he's writing this from, in prison. And then he says, let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. This word considerate, it also, it, it, it translates this way. That let everyone see there's gentleness about you. Let everyone see there's patience about you. Let them see that you're forbearing. Let them see humility in your life, that there's a gentleness about you because again, you're connected to the vine and that produces the fruit of the spirit, which is, which is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But here's the point. Others, let others see that in you. 
Let them see it. And then I love this part. Remember. Notice he says remember. That's a key. Remember, because I think we grow numb to this. Remember, the Lord is coming soon, church. Amen? Do you believe that he's coming soon? Oftentimes, we don't live in that manner. We kind of forget about this. He's saying, remember this. This is not something that should cause us fear about the return of Christ. It is imminent. What this should bring, this should be a source of joy for us because as believers, when we're, whenever we begin to think about and study and, and, and dig into the return of Jesus Christ, and, and I'm not talking about speculative things, I'm talking about what we know about Jesus Christ, that he is coming back. It's, it produces joy within us because we're reminded that our God is sovereign. God is the one who is going to set all things straight. And that he is ultimately in control. And so he says, be reminded of that. Remember this. It's, it's, we're not to live anxiously about this. We are to live with this, with this heart of, of, of knowing that he is going to take care of everything and he's coming back for his church. And that's powerful when we get this. We're going to do a series on this probably at the beginning of the year where we dig in more to this. And then he says this, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. I would have really liked it if Paul said, don't worry about most things. Because I like to hold on to a few things that I like to still feel like I'm in control of. But he says, no, don't worry. Remember what worry and anxiety is? It's a perceived loss of control. Don't worry about anything. Now, that's a command, and that sounds great. All right? That's a wonderful bumper sticker. But how do you do it? How do you do it? I mean, I'm getting anxious thinking about that I need to do all these things. Be joyful and don't worry. And, I, you know, he's given me more of a list to, to achieve. When you think you have to achieve it in and of yourself, it's going gonna, it's gonna to weigh you down. When you realize when you're connected to the vine and it just happens as you're connected to the vine and he produces it, it's a beautiful thing to begin to see this. He says, don't worry about anything. This word worry, it literally means this, a divided heart or a divided mind. It's a divided mind. You, you're one point, you're okay about this. And then the next point, you're worrying about it. No, you're okay. Then you're worried. You have a divided mindset. He's saying, you know, don't be so caught up in yesterday's failures and tomorrow's problems that you miss the peace that God has for you right now. And that always, again, it sounds good, but how do you do this? Because you have to understand yesterday to kind of know who you are today and you have to prepare for tomorrow. So how do you do this? Well, in the original language, this word for worry or anxiety, this will help you feel a little better, okay? Because here's the deal. Anxiety is a part of life. But here's the thing about this. This word literally means this. It's a perpetual state of anxiety. Don't live in this perpetual state of worry. What this means is worry is going to come up in your life. It's going to boil up within you. And then you at that moment have to discover, you have to learn, you have to decide, what am I going to do with this thought that I am worried about right now? Mary discovered it. Horatio Spofford, who wrote, It is well, whatever my lot thou hast taught me, you've taught me. This is something learned. This is something that's a discipline. It's something we train ourselves to do. It's a perpetual state of anxiety. By the way, uh, by, uh, the word peace literally means wholeness. 
It means calm. It means there's a calmness in your spirit. You can say it is well, whatever's going on all around you. There's a calmness, there's a wholeness there. What Paul is advocating is that our lives as believers are not to be dominated by anxiety or consumed by worry. All right, this habit of worry, this habit of negative thoughts, thinking negatively all the time. And he's, he's saying that you, we can actually begin to do this. Believer, don't let anything in life leave you in a perpetual state of worry and a sense of dread. Instead, capture that thought, make it obedient to Christ. And this is what he said. Instead, he's going to give the cure now. He's going to say, this is how you do this. Instead of worrying, very simplistic, you got to make the choice to do it. Instead of worrying, instead, what does he say? Pray about, what does he say? Everything. The time that I spend worrying needs to be shifted into time praying. Whenever I recognize that I'm getting anxious, whenever I'm worried about something or fearful, I have to make a choice to start thinking differently at that moment. I have to shift my mind Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And then look at this. This is a huge key for us in our lives in conquering anxiety in our lives. And we start thanking God for all that he has already done. We start thanking him. Isn't it incredible to think of Paul writing this when he's in prison? I, I, I love thinking that. Here's, here's your, your point here, your key thought. A belief in the sovereignty of God is essential in overcoming anxiety. Your belief dictates your behavior. What do you really believe about God? Our belief in the sovereignty of God is essential in overcoming anxiety. Think of that word sovereignty, the word the root word is reign. God is the king. God is in control. Remember, when we're worried, what are we trying to do ultimately? Control. We're trying to control things. When we shift our mindset to remembering that God is the one who is really in control and I am not, do you know what happens? Anxiety starts packing its bags. It starts leaving and the peace of God begins to flood our souls uh, and, and so we want to we do something to gain control when we're starting to get worried. And what I'm learning as a self-confessed control freak is that I am far better off whenever I finally decide to resign of being manager of the universe. And my family is often very grateful when I decide that. Some of your families would be very grateful if you would resign that position. And give it to the one who rightfully is in control. You say, I got to do something though. There's something I must do. I feel compelled. Paul says, what is your action? Pray. Start praying. Start going to God. We've been teaching you. Jesus taught us. This is what we do. When I'm, again, I'm releasing control. I start fixing my thoughts on that he is a good father. I start fixing my, my thoughts on what he's already done in my past. And I become thankful for that. Paul's saying, start praying yourself out of anxiety. Start releasing control. 
Remember what Pastor Randy said last week? He said prayer often is more about changing us and our mindset than it is about changing God. It's more about changing us. Let me give you just a quick illustration then we're going to be done here in just a minute. This uh, two weeks ago, my daughter Trinity, she's 13, she, she came up to me one evening, one night, and she said, Daddy, can I talk to you about something that's bugging me? First of all, I love the fact that she even did that, okay? And that's what God wants us to do, is to talk to him about everything. She comes up to me, can I talk to you about something? I'm like, sure, honey. And, uh, and so Rangers were playing, pause, uh, it's a beautiful thing. And, um, and so what's going on, honey? Well, just two months earlier, she, um, she was supposed to get her braces off. And they'd been telling her at her last appointment, you're going to get your braces off right as school's starting. And they were building it up. And she was building it up with her friends. And, and she was telling all of her friends. And she was excited about that. And, and, so, that, and so we go on that to that appointment two months ago. And, uh, you know, crunchy food was about to be back in the forecast for Trinity. She's pumped. Well, on the, on the day we went to the orthodontist a couple of months ago, she got the bad news that one tooth was still crooked. And the orthodontist looked at me and said something like, um, well, Dad, we can take them off, but this tooth is still a little misaligned, and I think we should leave them on. What do you think? I'm like, man, and Trinity's looking at me with that sad just look in her eyes like, I want my braces off today. I've told everyone. And and, I, and I'm like, obviously, Doc, you don't know me and <laughs> that I want to get every possible value out of what I'm paying for. <laughs> the staff says I squeak when I walk, okay? I said, leave them on. We want them right. That's why you get braces is for straight teeth. I don't want my kid holding a sign up later on, you know, like I said earlier, straight teeth. So she's, she, we leave, she's upset. She's crying. She's mad, kind of mad maybe at me a little bit because of the delay. Mad that why didn't they straighten them out more? She's mad at them and we're driving home and I let her kind of vent a little bit and, and, then, uh, and she did. And, and, and so anyhow, you know, we leave them on. So she comes up to me and it's the night before her next appointment where they said they might come off. And she said, Daddy, do you think it's dumb if I pray about my braces to God? I said, honey, what have we been talking about in the series? We can talk to God about what? Everything. I said, no, talk to him about it. I said, he might say they're going to be left on for another week, you know. But no, talk to him about everything. But I said, do you remember what we've been learning? Begin to filter your thoughts and your prayer in what we've learned in the model prayer. What do we start with, honey? We start by praising God. What do we do next? We start by thanking. And guys, at that moment, this little light bulb went off in this 13-year-old mind. And she said, oh, I should be thankful to God that I've even gotten braces because most kids in the world don't get that chance. And I was like, yes, she gets it. That's awesome. That was a great dad moment for me, you know? And I was like, way to go, God, <laughs> you know? And, th- and that was also a great pastor moment as I pastored my family and I was so excited. And so we went the next morning and it's kind of the looming thought, is she going to get them off or not? And we go in and the doctor comes in, looks and says, they're ready to come off. Let's pull them off today. She looks over at me with a big smile and I'm like, way to go. And not only that, you learned a great lesson in the process And now we have a really happy kid, right? Okay? With a great straight smile. 
So, but just think about that. Isn't that the way that, why are we learning this? We begin to shift our thoughts. We filter it through the prayer. We shift our thoughts. We fix them on the presence of God. We start thanking him for what he's already done in our lives. And what happens? Our, our mind starts thinking differently about things, right? And so this is what Paul says. Whenever I live in this perpetual peace, he says this. Look at what happens as you practice God's presence in your life. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. It won't even logically make sense in your life. People will notice that. We won't even be able to wrap our brains around why I feel peaceful. But isn't that also just a part of the mystery of God? He does that in our lives. Last verse. And his peace will guard your hearts and your minds. That's, that's the language that's being used as Paul's looking at probably this guard who is guarding him. As he's chained to a guard, he says that God's peace will guard your heart and your mind. But what does it happen? How does it happen? You're fixing your thoughts. You're being thankful to God. You're fixing your thoughts on things that are true and noble and right and all these things that are good. You see, it's a mind shift that happens for you. But I just want to tell you, it's something that must be discovered on your part. So as we pray together, let's pray. Are you anxious today? You see, this isn't something that's just for Paul or Moses or Joshua or David or Peter or all those guys back then, this presence of God. This isn't just something that's for uh, Frank Laubach that we talked about a few months ago or a few weeks ago. This isn't just for certain, but this is for you as a believer being able to practice the presence of God in your life, which changes everything. It's something for us that Jesus has made possible for us to win this war on worry. I love so much in that story of Martha and Mary that Jesus, he doesn't get upset with Martha. He doesn't scold her. He just says to her, dear Martha. And he's tender with her. He's saying Mary has discovered something and it's something that you can have as well. He is learning to practice the presence of God. Have you learned that? Have you learned that today? Have you, have you bought into that in your life that He is a good Father that wills His peace for you and has made it possible because of Christ? We're going to close our service today just with one more song, just to, as a prayer before Him. Let me just pray for you first. Father, I thank you for your peace. I thank you, Lord, that, that you make it possible for us to, to be at peace, to have something different than those that, Lord, that don't yet know you have. Lord, we want to be different than the world around us. We want to release our anxieties to you today. We want to pray to you about everything. We want to trust you in everything. We want to recognize that you are the sovereign God who is in control of our lives and orders our steps, that you use even the bad things in our lives and you work it together for the good of those who love you and who are called according to your purpose because you are the sovereign God. You can do that. 
So Lord, we release those things to you. We, we ask you for your peace. We're so tired of trying to, to have it on our own, God. So we're calling to you. Would you fill us up? It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I want to invite you just to stand. Let's make this our prayer, our final prayer to him today.